You're listening to Life in the Trenches, relatable, faith-filled conversations about everyday life to encourage and connect. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this life together. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Sharp. So with the gorgeous spring weather we've been having, I've been taking advantage of the sunshine to walk the dog by making the hike to my daughter's school to pick them up so we can walk home together. I've been enjoying this time as the walk is pretty long and it gives us some uninterrupted time to talk. My girls are chatterboxes and they love to jump from story to story telling me about their day. Everything from the silly things someone did in the class to what they actually learned that day. My older daughter is learning a lot about the world around her, and it's everything from politics to pop culture that's discussed and debated in her classroom. Well, obviously, the current pandemic is a hot topic of conversation, as the news seems to be telling us something different each and every day. It's difficult to keep up with the ever-changing media. But a hot topic this particular day that we were chatting about was about a brawl that happened by the schoolyard between a few adults who were walking their dogs. I don't know all of the details, but it blew up all over the neighborhood social media pages that an altercation happened between a few men over their animals. <laughs> a shouting match became a fist fight that a bunch of school kids witnessed. Seemingly nothing turned into something and somebody snapped. Now, where we live, we are well into our third full lockdown. We seem to be in a worse position now than we were even a year ago. Not only are businesses shut down, but areas of stores that sell items that are deemed not essential have been blocked off by government regulation, so we can't even peruse the aisles, let alone buy anything. People are on edge, and I don't blame them. I've witnessed complete strangers snap at each other in parking lots and parks. I've heard several stories from people of their family members and friends who've fallen into drug and alcohol addictions. They're spiraling out of control. Recently, an infectious disease specialist named Dr. Martha Fulford from McMaster Children's Hospital was being interviewed on a national news broadcast. Experts have sounded the alarm, saying that the overwhelming collateral damage that the lockdowns imposing upon the mental health of people is especially affecting children. She said that she has seen a great increase in eating disorders and suicidality, which means suicidal indications, everything from serious thoughts of taking one's life to suicide plans and suicide attempts. My daughter was sharing with me some of the issues that they were talking about in her class. She shook her head. She looked at me and said, this pandemic is getting to the best of us. And it really made me think, if it's getting to the best of us, what's it doing to the worst of us? According to top podcast and similar podcast ranking sites, the top downloaded and streamed genre of podcasts next to politics, true crime. 
We as humans are fascinated by our own human behavior. I myself love documentaries, and I'm a big fan of journalist Raphael Rowe and his story of being wrongfully incarcerated in the UK for a murder that he didn't commit. It took him 12 long years to clear his name, and now he's a celebrated journalist diving deep into the prison justice system all over the world. His series, World's Toughest Prisons on Netflix, has taken him to penitentiaries all over where he commits himself into the prison like an inmate and he lives among the prisoners. It's fascinating to watch. He interviews them, does day-to-day life with them, and you really see what it's like for these people in these different prisons everywhere. The vast difference in the prison systems is baffling. In poverty-stricken nations, the courtyards are overflowing. Prisoners are given the power to govern themselves or even earn the privilege of becoming leaders over gangs in areas of the prison because there simply isn't enough money to employ actual guards. Then, on the other side of the world in Europe, prisons are like communal hotels, you know, where they are free to go to work, cook for themselves in these vast kitchens. Their rooms are decked out with televisions and game consoles for them to pass the time. They can freely work outside of the prison, coming and going as needed. Their time of incarceration is like coming home to an apartment at the end of the day. Understanding how rehabilitation happens in each prison is an important part of his investigative process. It's fascinating to hear the stories of many different inmates and how they ended up in a life of crime. From rapists and murderers to petty thieves, there's one common thread that seems to bind them all together. See, they didn't fall into a life of crime. They didn't wake up one morning deciding to murder their children, rape a stranger, or sell cocaine. Sin always begins in the mind before it manifests in the flesh. And for most of these criminals, they were once just children who suffered something traumatic or were exposed to the raw survival of humanity at a very young age. Now listen, I'm not saying that our children who are struggling with the state of the world at this moment are going to end up in prison, but we can't ignore the overwhelming evidence of what's happening to our mind and our emotions and to the mind and emotions of our kids. If suicide attempts, especially in children and teens, are shockingly high with our youth right now, the trauma will attach itself to their soul for the rest of their life. And if we don't help them now, it'll come out one way or another later in their life. Survival skills take on many forms. But if we're not healing from our pain, our pain will have a mind of its own, dragging us down paths we never thought we'd walk. Last year, a father made a video on social media to share his story and bring awareness to families who were in crisis. His family was in crisis. And now with 1.6 million views, he told the story of his 12-year-old son who was suffering mentally due to the pandemic. With the loss of school, his football team, extra 
activities outside of the home and the isolation from his friends and extended family. 12-year-old Hayden hung himself in his bedroom and took his own life. He was found hanging by his father, who attempted to revive him, but couldn't. Their story has now been made into a documentary called Almost 13. It'll soon be available for streaming in order to bring hope to parents, helping them navigate the mental health struggles with their own kids. His whole purpose was to tell parents that if you think it can't happen to you, it really can. Hayden was a 12-year-old boy. He loved playing video games and playing football with his friends. But dad started to notice something wasn't quite right when Hayden's mood began to change. It was difficult for him to have everything stripped away. No explanation given. Time Magazine recently published a special edition titled The Science of Addiction. The issue is full of personal stories, but one in particular caught my attention. The parents of two 20-something-year-old sons were sharing how both their boys became addicted to hard drugs, and they talked about the tens of thousands of dollars they've spent on rehab over the years. Both boys had mental health issues that began as children, and they learned to cope with it through drug abuse. The parents' biggest regret was not getting them help earlier when they saw a problem. I understand why. I get it. I really do. I have someone close to my heart in my life who experienced trauma as a child, and it was never dealt with in a positive way. The mental health issues and trauma caused anger that's led to a life of painful consequences. I've witnessed it firsthand and sometimes wonder when I'll get the late night phone call that'll change my heart forever. I know that not all our kids will struggle. Some will more than others. Some will seem to breeze by and not be affected by the state of the world at all. But I think for most of us, we can see some difference in the behavior with our kids. My younger daughter's been struggling with extreme separation anxiety whenever I go anywhere. Not that I'm going very far these days. You know, she can't really get it together. She can't process. She doesn't understand. She'll call me 12 times while I'm standing in the line at the grocery store to buy food. Or she'll have to be sitting so close to me that we're actually touching on the couch. I find that I'm coddling my kids more than usual because I want them to feel safe and loved, not ever feeling lonely or that I'm dismissing their fears like they didn't matter. And both my kids are needier than usual. I can't go five minutes without hearing one of them calling my name it is so often and often so loud, I can actually feel my blood pressure rising. And then I feel guilty because I'm mom and they're just kids and they need me. And then I feel guilty for not doing a better job at making them self-sufficient. I don't know if this is because they're just needy people in general or the circumstances of her life right now have caused them to second guess every decision they have to make, whether it's what to have for a snack or what underwear to wear. It's stressful, y'all. This particular trench appears long and dark. 
not knowing what's at the other end waiting for us, I want to know at the end of the day that my kids are going to be okay. And whatever struggle they're having in their head or in their heart, that they can come to me and their dad and we can work it out together. My husband and I both come from what society calls broken homes, mine being more broken than his was. Now, my husband has a great relationship with his parents. There's lots of love now, and there's been lots of healing. My dad, on the other hand, abandoned my mother with four young kids, denied her existence, and had apparently changed his name, making it impossible for us to find him. He had another life that we knew nothing about. So, in light of this, my husband and I have made a point to tell our girls that no matter how big the problem or what kind of trouble they may find themselves in, there is nothing that they can't tell us. There's no problem too big for us to work out together. And no matter what, we will always love them. The first book of Corinthians is a letter penned to the church of Corinth by the Apostle Paul. The city of Corinth was a large international metropolis. It was filled with people from all different backgrounds. Anything and everything was at your fingertips and was acceptable. It was difficult for the church to live separate from the worldliness of the city. But Paul was clear to the people that they were not to abandon the city, but live out their commitment ever more faithfully in solidarity before the non-believers. Paul expected that Christians would come together and shine their light into dark places. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So that's what I want to teach my kids, that we're a family. We have a family motto that we came up with a few years ago, We rolled out a large piece of craft paper and we traced our sets of hands onto it. We each colored our hands in colors and patterns to represent us. And we wrote our family motto across the top in big, bold letters. We're the Sharps, stronger together than we are apart. The bottom line, if one of us suffers, we all suffer together. And when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. Whatever the challenge, we can get through it together. That's what we have to do. I think as parents, the struggle is real. We have to realize our kids aren't perfect. Kids have emotions, feelings. They go up and down all the time. But I've noticed my girls are struggling in ways that I didn't see before. And I want them to know, no matter the problem, no matter how big or how small, we can work through it together, whatever the trauma, whatever the pain. They can talk about it. We can get help together. Thanks for joining me today. When it comes to our kids, we know they're going to experience life and we can't protect them from everything in this world. We all have our struggles and pain, but maybe if we can acknowledge and help them in their struggles now, they'll be able to help others with their struggles tomorrow.